And here we go! Hey guys, welcome to episode 125 of CMD Towers, Brews, and Builds. I'm Mr. Commodore Number 5, and my fellow host is the nemesis of reason, <laughs> Big Tuck. I think you've used that one before, uh, but it, it stands the thing. Uh, I, I have a couple of adult beverages, but want to give a quick shout out to one of our new sponsors, JK. Uh, Celsius Sparkling Water. Do they uh, also tan? I wish that would be great. Um, no, this was evidently Jonah Hill drinks this shit like it's candy. Uh, so it's the only it's the only energy drink that I drink anymore. But it's supposed to be good for you. But I looked it up. So how many how many milligrams of caffeine do you think a normal cup of coffee has? Uh what's it like fifty? I think yeah, depending on how strong you brew, between fifty and eighty. So yeah. guess how many? I guess how many milligrams is one of these bastards? Buck fifty. Two hundred. <laughs> it literally says on the can, do not exceed two servings per day. <laughs> so uh this is my fourth. So here we go. <laughs> I'm here for it. But we are I know we are both on the cusp of our big tropical vacations. Are you excited are you as excited as I am for your Florida excursion? Oh, I wouldn't really call mine tropical, but yes, I am excited to uh, visit Star Wars World. Oh, that's uh, where you guys Harry are Potter down Land. There? Oh my god! Hell yeah, so excited. Ugh, I already I got I already got my appointment made uh, to go build my lightsaber, so I can't wait to do that. I can't. Uh, I can't wait to not watch any of these stories on Instagram because I don't have cell phone service. Oh, uh, that's all right. Uh, yeah, I can't, I, I ended up doing a whole Disney bound thing. So I actually got an outfit that's Darth Maul inspired. Cause you can't, as an adult dress up at Disney, um, not allowed. What? Yeah. I, I thought we talked about this. Did we not? No. Why? Cause it ever, cause it makes you look like an R wordist. Uh, no, uh, the publicly announced reason is because the staff cosplays, they don't want guests to get confused on who actually works there and who doesn't. Okay. Really, what I think the truth is, <laughs> I was gonna say, is we all know that there is a line of slutty Disney princess oh, attire, and I, oh, I don't think they want a bunch oh, of hot oh, high school chicks yeah. going out to Disney dressed like you know some scandalous Jasmine right. or like, slutty like Ariel, dressed as like whatever her face is from Nightmare Before Christmas, but a skank. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's really what I think it is. Uh, but, you know, I can see where you don't want people like, hey, could you help me? Oh, I don't work here. It's like, it's, yeah, it's like why the cop, as I've gotten older, I've realized that the cop outfit on Halloween is kind of a stupid idea, right? Like, <laughs> you're not serving any good by doing this, right? Um, but also, yeah, so I didn't know you are doing that. Is that also where Holly um, Universal Studios is? Yep, so that's where Harry Potter is going to be at. So, oh, and I'm okay, excited because gotcha. in the four years that I last went, they now have the Jurassic World Velociraptor roller coaster. Ooh. Uh, Disney has their Star Wars actual rides built out and done. Okay, like yeah. there's Rise of the Resistance where you're like they literally put you in like in a Millennium Falcon simulation and you go around blast Tie Fighters and stuff. So like that's new. Um, there's like a few, I think they have a toy story section that's new too. So there's a bunch of new stuff. There's like a bunch of AR stuff there that I think you can do with your phone too, where you go and like scan something on an app on your phone and then something happens. I think I heard about that on a podcast. Maybe. Um, I, I usually stay away from the, the AR stuff cause I still feel like it's gimmicky nowadays. It's yeah, like it's right. this thing and you can see Lilo and stitch around on your phone. Right. It's cool. like cool. 
Oh, uh, speaking of Harry Potter. So last weekend, I think we talked about this. I don't remember when we recorded last weekend, but one of the ones I think I said I was going to this like Harry Potter knockoff play yep. called Puffs, right? Yeah, where it was the uh, um, Neville Longbottom viewpoint. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. from the Hufflepuffs. Uh, Mr. Combo, listen, I'm not, I'm not like some sort of big city drama snob, right? Okay. Uh, but I have seen a lot of plays in my life. If you had told me that every single cast member was like, had the Benjamin Button disease and were like 17, <laughs> I would say, yes, that's more, that's more understandable than a bunch of grown adults trying to do this thing. And it was terrible. It wasn't funny. It was, it, everyone was like way too high energy. There's a lot of screaming for some reason, which I guess they thought was funny. It, it was like embarrassing. So they didn't serve beer there either. Right. And oh, good for them. They have taste. I know. I know. Like, or they didn't serve butter beer. Right. Although there was oh, a scene, lame. there was a, there was a scene of them like getting drunk up butter beer. So instead, anytime I read this, like about the guitarist from Motley Crue, he would do this whenever he he gave up drinking and he'd do this whenever he wanted like to do drinking. So literally two times during the thing, during like a laugh break, I just looked at the Latina, went there and just went boom. <laughs> like just, just went boom loud and like pretend like I was doing a shot. It was great. That was a oh highlight my of my, that was a highlight of it for me is doing that in a public area. <laughs> well, the only highlight I've had in the last week since we last talked, is obviously I got Batman IMAX tickets pre-ordered. Super pumped about that. You know what I was actually more disappointed about? I would have, uh, AMC's doing a see it early, so you could actually see it as early as Tuesday that week. Whoa! Uh, but I had already committed to stream with Tomer over on Goldfish. Oh, uh, no or way! Not stream, but we're going to record some video gameplay that he's going to post. Fun! Um, and because initially I was supposed to do it the week before, but I forgot that uh, Big Eric, uh, my fiance yes. and I had uh, committed to go have dinner with him and his wife that Tuesday. So I was like, ah, oh, well, I can't do that. Can we reschedule for the following week? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. And then, of course, I'm buying the Batman tickets yesterday. And I'm like, I thought there was something going on on this oh. Tuesday. <laughs> what am I forgetting? And I was like, gosh, darn it. This is when I'm supposed to record with Tomer. I can't delay are you it doing? Uh, are you going to do it over Moto? No, it's it's going to be paper gameplay that he records and does post editing and releases at his own kind of leisure. So sweet, that's be awesome. Yeah, no, yeah. it'll be fun. So that's really the only thing that's excited happened to me, other than just stressing to get packed for Florida. Yep. Um, but I, I seriously cannot wait. Animal Kingdom Sunday, Hollywood Studios, aka Star Wars, is Monday, and then we're boom in Universal. We're going back to Epcot. Uh, then it's Harry Potter. Uh, then we get like a day off. The house that we rented has like its own pool. Oh, uh, so nice. that'll be really nice. Um, so, yeah, it's just going to be nice to get away. Like this week has just been a slog. Yeah. Yeah. This week's been this this these last two weeks have been like a complete slaughter. So I'm already I'm ready for I'm ready for the Whitewater Center. Well, guys, a great way that you can support CMD Tower is to head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash CMD Tower. We have four different tiers for literally a dollar a month. You can get into the Discord. You get entered into a bunch of ways to interact with the cast on our episodes. Uh, or for five, 15, or 25, you actually get swag um, and continually get new swag whenever we do come out with new drops. So patreon.com slash CMD Tower. Now, if you're an existing patron of the collective and you have someone you want to refer 
just make sure they message us on Patreon. We do have a great referral program. So if you get someone to sign up, depending on what tier, will kind of depend on what free swag we send you. So be sure to grow the collective. Now, we do have a great store. It finally is up and running uh, after a weird WordPress WooCommerce decided to give us the uh, the bird uh, and just shut down for however long it was shut down. Uh, did get orders shipped out at cmdtower.com slash merch. That's where you're going to be able to get our amazing uh, Jund sweater. That's where you're going to be able to get our foil playmat, our uh, matte sleeves, our reminder tokens, coins, all of the different accoutrements you need to bling out your cardboard. So be sure to head over to cmdtower.com slash merch. Also, you've probably heard myself and others talk about their amazing playtest cards uh, that we've used in the past, whether it's uh, when we play with our local playgroup or even when we do specialty episodes uh, like the uh, Najila episode upcoming or even the Game of Thrones episode. You should head over to abyssproxyshop.com, use the code CMDTOWER to get 10% off your order. That is stackable, so any other existing discounts on the website, you will get in conjunction with your 10%. And the great thing is every order you do with them, CMD Tower does get a little bit back so we can keep the lights on and continue to improve that content. So if you need a playtest or proxy card, abyssproxyshop.com. This video wouldn't have been able to be done without our video engineer at underscore T-Coats. Tyler does all the video editing for CMD Tower. So be sure to follow us on YouTube, watch the videos, let us know what kind of content you want to see. So that way we can constantly improve it and get those numbers up. So Bruise of Builds is our deck tech series. Since we conquered the path to 32, the 12 themes of EDH decks, we have moved on to the classic brew from day one, Bruise and Builds, uh, with a traditional episode. So we described the brewing of decks similar to how beer is brewed. So we broke it down into four different categories. The first one's ramp instead of your board state. We call that grains. Yes, and grains are the foundation of every beer. They include both base malts and specialty malts, usually in a 60 to 40 ratio. This helps with the color, the taste, and most importantly, the alcohol content of the beer. Decks always need ways to grow and stabilize and ramp in your bigger threats, and just like a grain profile, they're usually a mix of staples and specialty cards. Then we have how does your board actually kind of interact with your opponents? We call that hops. And hops give the beer its patented bitterness and herbal floral flavors. They grow in a variety of strands and help distinguish subcategories like this pernicious IPA. Op choices help clearly interact with the board so your deck can ultimately do what it wants. One of my favorite areas. How does your deck actually close out and win games? We actually call that yeast. And, I'm, and I hope you're bringing the heat on this one because I need I need you for it. And yeast are living microorganisms that eat the sugar from grain and poop out alcohol and CO2. It adds the alcohol content without the carbonation. Without yeast, you'd be drinking flat sugar water. And without yeast cards, your deck wouldn't meet the goal of actually winning the game. And then we have shenanigans. These would be pet card synergies. Alter the brood, you could make an argument. Could be in here. It's we call a, that it's, spice. It's a bit of a reach, but it could. Uh, not every beer has them, but spices and other additives help separate a normal stock beer from a specialty one. It could be the pepper that turns a jalapeno stout into or a stout into a jalapeno stout. Excuse me. Or the addition of hops that turn an IPA into a double IPA. Not every deck has something that makes it pop, but if it does, this is where we talk about it. Then to wrap up the episode, we have a bottle capping. These are going to be big textonized cuts and adds to the deck. They're going to be under $50, under $5, and a no-budget recommendation. We just can't talk about mana-only lands. So without further ado, let's get brewing. Boom. Today, we, in episode 125, uh, Big Tuck beat me to the deck, so therefore I can never build this. Oh, uh, you want to build this? Build Built the best Ashiok tribal possible with Umbris <laughs> imbuing was... nightmares in your dreams. 
So this is Umbra's Fear Manifest. So Tuck, why don't you read what this card is and does? Sure. And then kind of talk about why you ended up building it. Yeah, sure. So Umbra's Fear Manifest is a new card from the uh, Crimson Vow Commander block, I believe. And it is a 1-1 legendary creature nightmare horror that's also a mythic. It's three colorless and it's three colorless and demir to cast as well. Uh, and it has some pretty cool abilities. So the first one is Umbra's Fear Manifest gets plus one, plus one for each card your opponents own in exile. And then secondly, and this is where I think this kind of turns into something that's a lot more fun for me. Whenever it or another nightmare or horror enters the battlefield under your control, and that's horror, not the lady of the night, for you who are worrying about our dialects out there, uh, target opponent exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a land card. So um, I, I have slowly come to realize that my two favorite colors are, or my three favorite colors are blue, black, and red. So I've noticed that most of my two color decks are Rakdos, and most of my two, and the, the next one underneath that are Demir ones. So there was a lot of fun Demir commanders that came out over the last year. Um, and the I I kind of was thinking about doing Toxroll, but now everyone's doing Toxroll, so that ship yep. kind of sailed. Um, Runo Stormkirk was on the boat too, but I really thought Umbris would be fun. So the reason why I went with this is three reasons. There's vol three things I like. Voltron, Tribal, and a stupid ability. So in reverse order, the exile and mill strategies. Mill is kind of like a mix, mix strategy, but I like exiling because you're getting things out of their graveyard, off their library, and getting them out of the game. And that's why there's a lot of graveyard exile in this deck specifically. So then the nightmare horror tribal thing, it's an off tribe. We all remember my horrible allies deck that I played twice and then immediately threw in the garbage. So I kind of like that it, they're they're kind of cheap, interesting creatures that kind of clog up the board state. And then lastly, you get him into this Voltron thing. So the first time I cast him, when I played this for the first time, he was a 66-66. So, but he's just a big juicy target for spot removal, has no baked in invasion. So one of my goals is really trying to find more ways to fuel that and get him off the board. Would you say Umbris is a commander that you're literally not casting until you can win the game with him? Like, when do you play him? Because you need that second ability for the value, but he is just right. a 1-1 one, one if there's nothing in exile. That's kind of... mana. I was... That game was really hard. I was stuck on, like, four mana for most of the game, so I didn't really do anything. There's a card in the spice package, which I can't wait to talk about. So I think it kind of depends, right? I think it depends on your opening hand. If you have a lot of those exile things, you can kind of wait and wait and wait. But it, I think if you have some more of these smaller creatures, you have to think about, okay, do I just want the blocker or do I want to wait to drop some of these 1-1s, one some of these 2-2s two to get their value or wait till I cast him? So hmm. um, I, I don't really know the I don't really know the right time to do it. Um, I do know that he, people are terrified of him. He truly is a nightmare horror. <laughs> people are very scared. So from a deck perspective, your mana is almost perfect. I mean, Thank you. You, do, uh, you should probably put more black mana in the deck than blue mana. Just a I, little bit. I, I literally didn't have this in tapped out until Tuesday. So uh, I could probably cut a couple, cut a couple swamps or a couple, couple islands rather, um, which also couple. would make sense. Couple, couple. A couple, couple. Uh, three, three, four, one CMC. Uh, I could see kind of if you're at four mana, how you might say you got stuck mm -hmm. a little bit. 
Uh, yeah. It's like on average, you're casting a spell a turn, maybe. Pretty so, much, yeah. And, and uh, we won't be talking about this in the bottle capping, but I do want to put in more mana rocks because having a five CMC commander, it kind of can slow you down a little bit. And then money-wise, you could build this deck for around $400. So I guess that's about average now for, I guess you call it above average budget decks. I, a lot of these cards I had, and like we're not talking about it, but like I had a wasteland lying around, right? There's some staples in here because I yeah. de I deconstructed, I tore apart one deck and built this one up from scratch. So normally there's a few cards in here I probably wouldn't have. So I think you could build this. You could probably build this for like the two to three hundred dollar range, and it'd be probably in the same range of effectiveness. No, that's fair. Well, uh, let's go ahead and dive into this deck tech. Let's start with the rampant grain section. Big Tuck, what's the first grain card we need for Umbrus? Okay, so one of the things I found out about this is that a lot of my, a lot of cards that I think are very cute and are kind of pet cards of mine just so happen to arbitrarily, just like the warrior thing last week, arbitrarily be nightmares or otherwise. So this is the demon varietal. And not only is he going to punch some face, he's going to help you thin out your deck a little bit. So we were talking about Whispers. Mm. We're talking about Doom Whisper. So Doom Whisper is a three colorless black black creature, nightmare demon. That's a mythic rare. It's a six six flying and trample, which on its own is completely busted. But more importantly, it's got this ability, which I love. Pay two life, so you can just kill yourself if you are at an even mana cost. <laughs> I've always, done it many times on Arena. Always, always important. Um, survey. Wait, really? <laughs> you're, just, you're like, I'm just done with this game. I'm just dropping this up. No, it's just like they're about to win, and it's like, no, you don't oh! kill me. I kill me. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, so it's got pay two life and then surveil two. So look at the top two cards of your library, then put any number of them into your graveyard and the rest on top of your library in any order. Uh, and there is some flavor text here, uh, which we will be reading. Of course, Tavalis, Acolyte of Corliss, aka our Lord and Savior, Canoe Reeves. <clears throat> Whoa, the sound of every twisted secret tempts you to hear another. That's like yeah, that's older. Right. It's older. It's yeah. not great. I'm I'm all out of sorts. So anyway, uh, the surveil too kind of is kind of a nombo in this deck because there is, I took out all of my graveyard interaction <laughs> except for things that specifically exile graveyards. So a lot of times you're like, I'm going to play this card once and that's it. So <laughs> it kind of is a little bit of deck thinning in that, in that regard. Uh, but overall, just very fair costed, can get can defend, can get in the red zone, and also can kind of filter through to find you that land that you need so desperately. That's the only reason I think it's fine for the deck. I mean, it's an on-curve card, better than an on-curve card. Um, it's, But you don't have any of that graveyard interaction. Yeah. But you do have a 5 CMC commander. You cast it once, he dies. It's now 7. And like you talked about, if you're stuck at 5... Doom Whisper is going to save you because now it's like, I'll just keep paying two life till I find yeah. a land. I need a land. Exactly. So yeah, good card. And he just happens to be a nightmare for whatever reason. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll just get it over with. You know, I couldn't resist talking about her. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Ashiok Nightmare Weaver. <laughs> go, my go favorite ahead. Planeswalker of all time. <laughs> uh, colorless Demir, blue and black. Planeswalker Ashiok Mythic. It's a three loyalty for about seven bucks. Has three activated abilities. And, and actually, this deck, all three are relevant. Mm -hmm. Plus two. Exile the top three cards of target opponent's library. Uh, big Tuck can attest, guys. I've had Ashiok on board 
with like 19 loyalty because <laughs> I've done that every top turn. effect so much and no one ever kills her. So uh, that's busted. It's great. Uh, minus X. Put a creature card with Gavrina costs X exiled with Ashiok onto the battlefield under your control. That creature is a nightmare in addition to its other types, which is great because giving it's a it nightmare. subtext. Yep, it's a nightmare. It gets the commander trigger. Uh, and typically, I ignore the minus 10, but in this deck, exile all cards from all opponents' hands and graveyards. It's pretty great because that's even more fuel for your commander. So it literally checks every box, and yep. to me, it's on curve at three. Yeah, it's it's on curve. I think this is, ironically, the only deck where someone is going to actively attack Ashiok, right? Like it's mostly. to. Yeah, because most of the time, like you said, it just sits around. You're like, okay, you do three, but next time, don't worry. I'll get them two times next time. Yep. Right? It just kind of is this bouncing ball around the table. Uh, I didn't get, spoiler alert, this may or may not be the only Ashiok in the deck, uh, but I didn't get to see this or any of their brethren the one time that I played the deck, which was a real... Ah, oh, that's unfortunate. Which is a, which is a real bummer. Yeah. Well, t- give us your next grain card. All right. This is a weird one. But it's really, really good in this deck, and it's kind of a utility in decks that need to draw lands, potentially. It is an Eldrazi, of which there's only one or two, because they don't have Nightmare subtext. So we are talking about Oblivion Sower. Oh. Oblivion Sower, maybe? Okay, so six colorless for a creature Eldrazi that's a 5-8. It's a Mythic for about $3. So when you cast Oblivion Sower... Target opponent exiles the top four cards of his or her library, which is good in of itself, right? Then you may put any number of land cards, any number of land cards, any number of land cards that player owns from exile onto the battlefield under your control. And we are talking, uh, damn it, Nyrex, Slipfinger, Master Thief, a.k.a. Kermit the Frog. Oh, hello there, Miss Piggy. The old drowsy hunger. I don't know if you knew this, children, but they'll drowsy hunger without limit and consume without pause. <laughs> oh, I'll take it. They're all rim shot. So I think this card is is really good in a lot of decks. I run it in my Rakdos deck. Uh, I think it's probably one of the best ramp cards in a mono Eldrazi sort of deal. But here, this thing is like the ceiling on it's so high, right? Like what you could get 10 lands back if you just, if someone got unlucky with when you hit them with one of your exile spells, right? Or if yep. you exile a graveyard and they have a bunch of fetch lands in there. I just think this thing is going to be able to catapult you into that last end game. Um, with such a high CMC, you really need something like this to come through and get you five lands, 10 lands, that sort of thing. So you can close out the game with one of your other bees. Yeah. I mean, this card's awesome. Um, don't, ever come at me people when you say you can't ramp in other colors like oh, outside yeah. of green because you could put oblivion sour in your deck and six isn't absurd for a five eight and no. you're gonna get at least one land off of it so it's like right. would you pay six to have a five eight and one land i don't know maybe not at mythic but the fact that you can get up to four and it's any lands that just makes it absolutely phenomenal so absolutely. i love the card and i think it's great hey um, well, I thought you were talking about this Eldrazi because oh. this boy is mean. Oh, and <laughs> he is the sire of stagnation. Oh, oh, it's, so, it's so hard. Four colorless Demir, blue and black creature Eldrazi mythic from Battle for Zendikar. It's a five seven. 
and it has a devoid, so the card technically doesn't have a color. This is when they did the stupid thing of giving Eldrazi's a color identity, but no color identity. Dumb. But whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, that player exiles the top two cards of his or her library, and you draw two cards, and I do have text. You do have a text. Hold on. The, the class tools is going, 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 going. And we have our old pal, Sarash, Keeper of the Cloud, a.k.a. an old-timey gangster. As the Great Scourge <laughs> passed, see? My Zendikar <laughs> shivered, then laid silent, you dame. Now hit that explosion. Give me that explosion. I just did it. I know. I remember, I think last time it went like two times in a row by accident, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> so this card's great because basically it essentially says, guys, in that mid to late game, like, yeah, if you want to, like, I don't know, uh, Splendid Reclamation, okay, well, you might lose your library. Mm -hmm. Or you still want to do that late game Kadama's Reach? I don't know. Do you? Yeah. Um. I think even if you never get a trigger off of this card, that means it was probably even better than mm. hitting the trigger. Because that means your opponents literally never played lands. Yeah. And like, there's like, like the best nut draw in this deck is like three lands, three arc, three mana rocks, and then this card, right? Oh, like, sure. It's, it's, it's insane. Like getting this thing out any turn besides turn five where people are still building their boards is completely bonkers. Uh, yeah, it... it I've gotten hosed by this card so many times, and I have yet to be able to play it. So, again, these Eldrazi's just keep slipping through the cracks for me, unfortunately. Well, give us your last grain card. All right. This is the one I need your... I want your opinion on, and I wouldn't be surprised if, we, if you were talking about this card later. It is an enchantment that really depends on what creatures you have in your hand. Hmm. And we are talking about Reflections of Lit Jara. So... Four colorless and a blue for an enchantment. It's a rare for around $2. When it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. So whenever you cast a creature of the chosen type, copy that spell. And I do have a little bit of text to read here. Mm -mm -mm. Oh, yes. Jonald, Mission Naturalist, uh, a.k.a. the uh, Animal Tour Lady. <clears throat> well, folks, if you look over to the right side of the boat, you may see something. That might be reminding you of how the masts float downstream towards the mirror lake where faces arise to wear them. Ma'am, can you can you can you can you have your child sit down, please? Yeah, exactly. Ma'am, yeah. please. I'm be I'm begging you. The funniest one of that is she's like they have those prop guns, right? That like are blanks. And on her, she the one that I'm thinking of literally what went. Oh no, folks! Here comes the rhino. Better protect ourselves. Blam, blam, got oh him, and it just went on. <laughs> I really want this card to work. I bought a bunch of copies of it, expecting it to be expensive. I've not been able to cast it anywhere, and because I know you're going to ask this, it, if you look at the tribal count between nightmares or horrors, I am at when I counted of twenty-four, which usually passes the bill of our nineteen to twenty to consider a Planeswalker deck, a tribal deck, that sort of things. Now, before I pass it over to you, we're just going to go ahead straight to the bottle capping and just bring this one up. Uh, well, you do realize that this is cast, so yes. you have to be casting stuff. Uh, you also realize that its creature type 
So you just said nightmare and horror. You have twenty four. Correct. Which one do you have of each, though? Because nightmares and horrors are separate. I didn't get that far into it, but assuming what I have in my hand, I, th- I think you could make the justification for it one way or the other. I'm going to argue no, but that's not what Fair. we're here to talk about. Uh, so I think this card also reads better than probably it plays. Uh, I bought some copies as well mm-hmm. put it in my sliver deck thinking that it was going to do it. I've never been able to cast it as well. Mm. So I don't really actually know, does it work? I think the biggest thing is, I think we got to look at this card, five mana. What else is out there that I can draw cards? That's an enchantment for around five mana. And I want to say, isn't that blue enchantment where whenever you draw a card, you draw two. Isn't that only two mana more? I think it's I think seven. that's I think that's four, isn't it? Or is it four? It's it's like um It's got something with Teferia, right? No, 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 no. I'm thinking of that very standard, they've made a million of them. Um, and it's part of the cycle. Like there's a red one that I think if you deal damage, it deals extra damage. Oh, the blue oh, one you draw oh, card, um thought reflection. Green, thought reflection. I think thought reflection six or seven. Yes. So I, I would argue that's probably better than this because you'll probably get to draw more off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is a card that you probably can't assess until you see it played. And yeah. I think, I mean, with it, if you actually have 24 of one type, I think that it, it does <laughs> actually uh, have a spot. So, uh, Well, I'm going to wrap this up with a card that I like cards that just you playing the game does your strategy. That I'm huge fans of that, especially yep. when you're getting niche. Dread Presence does that oh, phenomenally. Yep. Three colorless black creature nightmare. It's a rare. It's a three three. Whenever a swamp enters the battlefield under your control, choose one. Draw a card, lose a life, or Dread Presence deals two damage to any target and you gain two life. But who is this silly voice going to be? Uh, that is a good question. We have Thrun, the last troll. Macho Man, Randy Savage. Oh, it beckons silently, brother. Uh, waiting in the darkness. Step into a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. I got you for three minutes, Freak Show. <laughs> I got you for three minutes. <laughs> it's playtime. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, so, yes, uh, Dread Presence is a great card. And this is actually a card tuck that I think it's a grain early game and then it becomes a hops late game. Yeah. I I don't think it has any yeast or spice potential, but grain for sure, because in the beginning, you're going to be playing your lands. Hey, let me draw a card, lose a life. Let me draw a card, lose a life. Eventually, it's going to get to the point like, okay, I I got enough cards or I have other engines. I don't need to keep losing life. Okay, play down a swamp, two damage to your birds of paradise. I'm going to gain two life. Oh, I'm going to shoot your commander down for two damage. I think this has a lot of versatility. The four mana, and I even think that's fairly costed. Yeah, and again, like, I think if this card wasn't a nightmare, because I'm not running Urborg, I'd have a little bit more of a hard time going with it. But like you said, I checked, and, like, I do have a lot or all three of the dual-type lands. So even though I only have X amount of swamps, it is boosted a little bit. So, yeah, this is a card that you actually, you brought to my attention many moons ago, and I was so glad that I could finally find a place to immediately slot it in into a new deck. Awesome. Well, guys, that's going to wrap up the grain section. Let's see how uh, Umbris is going to interact with our opponents in the hot profile. Um, I want to start this off with a card 
that I like Flash. I hate when Flash is super overcosted, but I think this Eater will be very, very good. So this guy is a Dream Eater. Four colorless, blue, blue, creature, nightmare, sphinx. It's a mythic. It's a 4-3 from Guilds of Ravnica. It has flying, and it has flash, so you can play it at instant speed. When it ETBs, surveil four. So we already talked about surveil is. When you do, you may return target non-land permanent and opponent controls to its owner's hand. So I look at this in a few different ways. Six mana, blocker, card advantage, bounce a creature, or a problematic permanent. Right. All three check out for me at six mana. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm so glad you brought this up because, again, you brought this card up on some bruising builds not too long ago. I don't remember oh. which one it was, but this was like a cut or an ad or like a theory craft or something. And oh, maybe again, for that surveil deck. Yes. Maybe when we were trying to do that. Or no, oh, it was for your um your your Demir artifact rigmaroles. Mm. I think maybe I don't remember. Oh yeah, because you just bend the artifacts when, with the surveil and then get them back. Oh, there we go. So yes, like again, I think this is this is a card that I've always found interesting, but just gets replaced by generic removal and that sort of thing. Sure. But the fact again, it just happens to be a nightmare, just plays right into it. So this is another example of a card that's really fun that slots into a deck and actually serves like a really strong purpose, as opposed to just being like I'm putting this in here for funsies, right? Yeah, makes and sense. And it's only eighty nine cents, so. Small, small price to pay. Well, give us your first hop card. Okay. We talked about how good this sort of effect is in creature heavy decks when we talked about your Animar build. But because I'm playing fewer creatures, I want to have a little bit more control over when they may or may not be leaving the battlefield. Mm -hmm. uh, and I feel like this artifact does a great job of that. We're talking about Erratic Portal. So, four colorless for an artifact, originally from Tempest, I think. Um, it has one tap, return target creature to its owner's hand, unless its controller pays one. And we do have a little bit of things to read here. Veldelka Wandering Sage, the angry Russian from Orange is the New Black. <clears throat> In Baron's name, cried Lyra, as Hannah's sword passed through her. Airtight sends words that the portal is opened. But not for long. Where's my vodka? Or vodka, if you will. <laughs> so this plays, I'm, I'm mostly using this as a hop to bounce my own creatures so I can play them again and get Umbrus' ability triggering again. But like we talked about with the Equilibrium, eventually this can also be a card that's on the offensive, right? Someone tapped out, they swing at you with your commander, not anymore, right? Even though you can only do it once a turn effectively, I still like this, uh, both on... Defending my own creatures from removal, that sort of thing, getting those triggers, and potentially bouncing something that I don't even control. So here's where I would challenge you on this card. And I'm not saying it's not a good card, so I don't want you to think that. But because you have this effect in here, this is essentially Crystal Shard. Um, would you put Crystal Shard in here? Because my opinion is like, if you're like, you know what? No, I wouldn't put Crystal Shard in. Then I don't know if Erratic Portal has a mm. place. Like, if anyone ever tells me with a deck, like, hey... I'm going to have this one card in here for this one singular effect, and it's the only one that does it. It's like, well, that sounds kind of fringy to me. Yeah. That's more like if you drew it, it's a happy day. So would you put Crystal Shard in as well? Or do you think that's almost making you say like, gosh, 
does it have a spot in the deck? It's hard. It's so. I, I'm. I was gonna bring this up to you in the in the spice. I think that there's a build of this that does a lot of bounce and like bounce something. We will talk about that as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that. I feel like if that is something that this deck wants, then yes, I would want to run as many of those as I possibly can. And I feel like that's something that I need to judge later. So Erratic Portal is just a card I had lying around, to be honest with you. Okay. So that was an easy slot in. And I don't have the data yet, but if we feel that that is the way to go with this deck, which I think is certainly a possibility, then yes, I would run them both and probably the aforementioned enchantment, which we may or may not get to at some other point. Yeah, well, and then even to that point, Tuck, if you go with that direction, and I know you said you're going to add more mana rocks, I think then you evaluate, well, do I put Unwinding Clock in here? Mm -hmm. Do I have enough things that these artifacts are activating other things to do blinking or nightmare stuff? Because then that makes Erratic Portal and Crystal Shard that much better, because now, oh, I could tap a Soul Ring, activate both, you know, kind of do my deal. Absolutely. I think think that's... These are the sort of questions I was asking myself when I was building and looking at this list. So I'm glad that we're on the same page with that, too. Well, there we go. Well, the next card I'm going to talk about, I believe, is a modern staple. Wait, is it an artifact creature? Nope. It might be able to be played free if it's in your opening hand. Oh, all right, it's a bit like the yeah, best I card figured. in the deck. <laughs> uh, Leyline of the Void, uh, disgusting. Uh, two colorless black black enchantment. If it's in your opening hand, uh, you may begin the game with it on the battlefield. And if a card would be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. So literally, Umbris only gets big when stuff's in exile. No. So you plant this down. Um, and stuff moving forward gets exiled, but it doesn't exile the existing graveyard. Yeah, we'll get into that. But you do have a little bit of text right here. Oh, not your favorite. Talim Tor, a.k.a. Werner Herzog, the German. The German from what? So it, we were just talking about Book of Boba Fett before we started. He's, oh, that guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The old, the old wise and German man. Uh way of treachery and uh this is russian this is bad oblivion <laughs> converge just moving forward yes uh yeah this, 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 right card's, this card's great i i do wish it had a more rest in peace effect when it yeah. dtbs exile all graveyards and then everything moving forward but at least it does get it at some point yeah i i completely agree i think there's there's a couple cards that you pretty much have to run if you're playing a deck like this and this is certainly one of them um if you have this in your opener it's just such a nut draw um for free people cracking fetch lands people sacrificing baubles and whatnot to draw yeah. cards like you're just gonna get so much value out of this for such a small price of entry totally agree all right tuck give us your next hop all right i'm not sure if i know how to pronounce this correctly uh but this squid looking mfr is also a card that is a big big punch in uh, my eureka deck and again this has to be a horror so of course we're talking about Grazalax, Elithiad, or Mind Flayer Scholar. So, one colorless and double blue for a 3-2 legendary creature horror. Shocker. Uh, it's a rare from Adventures of the Forgotten Realms. Yes, I know. I was wrong on that. And it's a 3-2. Whenever a creature you control becomes blocked, you may return it to its owner's hand. And then, whenever one or more creatures you control deals combat damage to a player, you get to draw a card. So, and we got a little text here, uh, which is Ulta Falconrath a.k.a. Batman for some reason. So thanks to Collector for that one. 
Okay, I'm gonna throw my voice out on this one. I can feel right. Used, used, you studied hard. How delicious! I'm Batman. Swear to me. <laughs> How did he do that? God. Swear to me. <laughs> there it is. So uh, yeah, that's, it's yeah, it's all right. What do you mean it's all right? It's incredible. Like. You get now all my one one minions that don't do shit or nightmares or horrors. Now they just get blocked and get bounced or get damaged in. What's not to like? Uh, well, this card's not a hop card. It's clearly a grain card because it's drawing you cards. So that's literally all it does. But it also so... interacts. It also interacts with the board because things are bouncing back to my hand. It makes my opponents want to choose if they're going to block or not. I guess um... there's. I, I wouldn't say this card helps you interact with your opponent's board states in any way, shape, or form, because you can't bounce their creatures, but the card is good, and I do think, because this is basically the creature version of that enchantment, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that one doesn't let you draw cards, I don't think, but no. it's like if it ever gets blocked, you get to bounce it. Um, and that is very good for, I, and I think more we talk about this talk, I think you're just going to have to accept you have an ETB deck. Yeah. And like this screen, like we've now talked about enough cards where it's like, oh, yeah, I want to bounce this stuff back to my hand so I could replay it. And it's like, well, you're ETB then. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And I would say a lot of your stuff, you probably want to do less of the bouncing back to hand and more of the just flickering. The flickering yeah. Because you only have a handful of stuff that deals about cast. Everything else is mm. just ETB. Um, but yeah, Grazalex is good. He's real good. I was really happy good. when they printed him. And he also does work in Arena. Well, uh, this card is stupid. No reason this thing needs to be a horror, but it was printed so long ago. I guess they just wanted to give it the designation. I believe this came from Planar Chaos. Uh, this guy is the opening line of the episode, Nemesis of oh, Reasons. Yes. Uh, three colorless Demir creature, Leviathan Horror, a rare. It's a 3 7. Whenever Nemesis of Reason attacks, defending player puts the top 10 cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. Basically, a cheaper, less threatening, and aggressive Ulamog. Yes. And you do have a little bit here. Uh, Ailey, the comic cleric, aka a Southern Bell. Oh, words describing <laughs> it fail, pages relating it shrivel. Tales recounting it, it in Darwin. 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 So, yeah, I, I like this guy. I mean, it is old school verbiage, so it's not whenever it deals combat damage because then it's like, oh, I can do double strike and get mm -hmm. some things. Um, I would assume you just had this laying around and that's why it's in here. I bought it for like $10 and then it got reprinted. And it's one of the ones that got reprinted in Mystery Boosters and then the price uh, got cut in half for no reason, right? Uh, I, yeah, I think. Like I said, this was there were some pieces of this left over from a mill deck, and I didn't want to lean too heavy into the mill, but I do like this idea of just arbitrarily filling up people's graveyards, and then that's just a juicy target to pump up Umbris by a gazillion, right? At yeah, a, at a later fair. thing, and and that's like that's kind of like the sub sub tech that I'm trying to get into. Well, why don't we get to your last last pick for your hop? I thought you were going to talk about this one when you talked about your modern rigmaroles. Because this is a card that, like, everyone will tell you is good. And then you try to play it in Commander, and it never works because it doesn't do much. But again, because it's arbitrarily a Phyrexian horror, 
it has a lot of utility in this deck. So I'm, of course, talking about our old pal. He's just a little baby boy, Spellskite. Two colors mm. for an artifact creature, Phyrexian Horror. That's an 0-4. And then for one Phyrexian Blue, let me rephrase that, to life. Change target, change a target of target spell or ability to Spellskite, right? So it's a low-cost Horror. Triggers, triggers uh, Umbris. But more importantly, that second ability... I think is sneaky good, right? Because there's, if we're talking about any sort of removal or any sort of interaction that my opponents are going to play, I don't get, I don't care. Path to sword supply shares, path to exile, any of that stuff on this, go ahead. doesn't matter to me, right? Like I already got my value out of it. So for me, I kind of look at this as like another one, another layer protecting Umbris while also playing right into everything that he wants to do. So here's the question, though. Someone starts activating abilities that are just like untapped target, you know, untapped creature. Would you pay two life to like stymie their effect? Like, I'm just wondering how yeah. petty you're going to get with spell sky and being able to Phyrexian two life on anything like up. Oh, wait, what are you about to do? You're about to like mill three cards and then return a land from the graveyard. No, I'll, I'm going to change the target of that. I'll just, I'll just do I'm that gonna, for I'm two do life. It. I, yeah, like, do you, how petty are you going to be with that? Are you going to be judicious because you don't want people to hate on you? I think it just depends on the table, right? Like, I okay. think this, I think this, I think this is in my typical deck building fashion is going to turn into the arch enemy pretty quick because you don't care about what opponents. It's like it's your three exile zones versus my one creature, right? Yeah. So. I don't know. I try not to be a petty player, but you know, sometimes, like I said, I I, I try to lead a leave a I try to lead a pious life, but sometimes my decks are just made for sin. <laughs> and this is this is one of those this is one of those cards that very well maybe maybe meant for that sort of future. Well, guys, that's gonna wrap up the hot profile for Umbris. Well, it sounded like Tuck needed some help, uh, so now we're here at how we close out and win the game in the yeast. We don't have lots of options. So let's see if we match. What's your first one? It's a planeswalker. Yes, yes, it is. Okay, I, I, I just figured let's get this all the way. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Three, two, one. Ashiok, Ashiok Nightmare, Nightmare Muse. Muse. What a house! I three colorless Demir, legendary planeswalker Ashiok <sighs> Mythic. Suck it. God, that's a lot. All right, here we you go. You got too excited. You got too excited. I just knew, like, as soon as I put this in this deck, I was like, Mr. Combo's going to fall head over heels for it already. I'm sure you already had this lying around in your pile to build this with. So, plus one, create a two, three, blue and black nightmare creature token with whenever this creature attacks or blocks, each opponent exiles the top two cards of their library. Minus three, return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand, then that player exiles a card from their hand. Minus seven. You may cast up to three face-up cards your opponents own from exile without paying their mana cost. Uh, great effect, decent effect, great effect. <laughs> it's just like, it's bonkers, right? I mean, I run this card in my Planeswalker deck. Because that plus really? one, oh, it's a, it's a blocker that, hey, if you want to come at my Planeswalkers, you're going to be exiling your library? I It's great. And I think like... I know what what was your story on this? You bought a pre-release one for twenty dollars. So, <laughs> I bought the alternate art foil. Uh, I pre-ordered it for like twenty or twenty-five bucks. Because I mean, honestly, I read this card and it reads Commander Bait. Yeah, like five mana is right there in the middle. Plus one protects itself, impacts the entire board. 
minus three further protects itself, and then minus seven, possibly casting stuff for free. And I will say the minus seven is more fringe in non-decks like this. Yeah, sure. But I thought it read very, very well, uh, but turns out, uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I This is probably... I, I I think this is maybe one of the top five best cards in the deck, right? I could see that. Because like it just does everything, right? Um, I think even if the minus three was just bounce something, there's Planeswalkers that do that that are good. But the fact mm-hmm. you also get to exile another one, another plus one, plus one for Umbrus, um, it's just like such value over time, right? And to your point where thinking about when to cast Umbrus, you're going to have these effects that are just going to start filling up these exile piles that are never going to go down. So even yep. if you do this incidentally over the course of a game, this card might alone pump, what, 10-10, 15-15 into Umbrus when you cast them? Maybe. It's just got, it's got everything you need. Well, the first one I wanted to talk about is one of the few ways that you have to really give Umbris unblockable, so you can kind of do that Voltron-esque strategy. Um, it's very cheap. It only costs one, so you know it's kind of nice. Uh, Aqueous Form, Enchantment Unreal. Aura. It, it's a common enchant creature. Enchanted creature can't be blocked, and whatever enchanted creature attacks, scry one. I genuinely can't believe this card's only 15 cents. It's I'm not it's, saying I'm not it's not multi-dollars, but it's probably a quarter to 50 cents, I would think. There's this like if you are running a deck that cares about commander damage in blue, that's a commander card, you're just putting this in, right? Uh you have to, I think. Right. There's no option. I, I don't yeah. think so. Like it only sucks because the only downside is that it's an enchantment. So if someone gets rid of Umbris, you're kind of out a card. But the yep. barrier for entry is so low, right? And if you don't, and if you, if he's too big to cast, you just cast this on Cyrus Stagnation or whoever else, and you're just gonna start punching for damage anyways. I actually disagree. I think you literally save this until <laughs> Umbris is a seventy seventy, and it's like, oh, you guys are all tapped out, but you have a billion blockers. Here you go. Yeah. I kill you. So uh, because you talked about it, you don't have Graveyard Recursion. You definitely don't have any ways to flicker an enchantment back to no. your hand. So this is a one-time use. So think of this in this deck as a uh, cantrip. I'm yes. probably only going to get one shot with it, hopefully. Um, and that's why I think you have to save it for Umbris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it's, just, it's just such a beating. <laughs> All right, well, why don't you give us your second East card? Okay. I have started to fall in love with this little guy in similar ways that I fell in love with the Bubs because this card is also a little baby bubble cat, but he's a lot more of a nightmare. He's a lot more of a nightmare than Stouty is. We're talking about Falthus, Shadow Cat Familiar, two colors and a black for Legendary Creature, Nightmare, Little Baby Bubble Cat. That's a 2-2. Commanders you control have Menace and Death Touch, and as partner, which in this deck doesn't matter. It also has a little bit of things here. So here we go. Tamiyo, a.k.a. the Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, the, uh, what's her name? Tilda Swinton version. Tilda. <clears throat> yep. All right. She sticks to her chosen master closer than their own shadow. Ten cents. It, what more do you want? You play you play Umbris, you play this, you're gonna gain, you're gonna start blasting through creatures. Menace, I think, is an underrated ability. Uh yeah. we when we played our budget, when we played the our budget decks, by the way, all I had some of your inclusions in there. Thought Gorger, slam dunk. 
It oh, was yeah? great. Yeah, it was really good. Um, <laughs> there, were, I think of the three decks that were there, or of the five decks that were there, three of them had this card in it. And every single one of them, it was good. Such a low barrier for entry. If someone, it's again, forces someone to be like, do I want to spend my sport, my swords on this or on something else? The fact that it's a 2-2 kind of sucks. Like it eats up, it dies to pyroclasm, right? But Menace, Death Touch, it's incredible. And on top of that, it's a little baby bubble cat. Uh, yeah, it's good. Three mana. It gives uh, two abilities. I mean, I will say this. This is a big risk because you only got one commander. Yeah. And if it dies, you're not getting it back. So this is just where I think I would challenge you to where you're going to have to do what I had to do in Garza Zol. Like, how much am I just being way too cute with what my commander does mm. versus like how the deck is trying to function and operate? I can 1000% see you cutting this card very sooner rather than later, probably for a mana rock. Yeah, I mean, I need I need to cut two for two mana rocks. So man, might be there. there. Might be there. Um, well, the last card I wanted to talk about has a laughter that is quite oh, hideous. It's it, this card. hideous laughter. It's Colorless insane. blue, blue, sorcery for a little under five bucks. Each opponent exiles cards from the top of their library until that player is exiled cards with total mana value 20 or more. Who is apparently laughing while telling this text? It works out perfectly because it's Bellatrix Lestrange, Vraska Golgari, no! your favorite. Yeah, we're back, no! baby. Yes, no! believe it. The Raging Fear. We're back. Open its terrible maw and collapsed in a fit of horrifying giggles. <laughs> oh God, kill me! You're just anyways. Ready. Now you're now you're primed for Harry Potter world, right? I guarantee this girl's gonna be walking around there and just getting ready to be yelled at. Uh, actually, you know what's funny? More often than not, you see people cosplaying as Dolores Umbridge at harry potter world who the is that? annoying the annoying older chick that had all the cats on her wall that were all pink it was always like <laughs> oh she's like she a was like an awful terrible human being she's like a blonde right yeah yeah oh yeah she is annoying i remember the one movie i've seen of harry potter she features in it prominently and yeah it's very upsetting yeah it is uh so here's the thing though a lot of people look at this card and they immediately say broken busted because they're in their head they're thinking that opponents are going to be exiling 15 to 20 cards no. no. <laughs> That's why the card's three mana. Uh, most likely, you're probably getting, I would say, between three to five. Mm -hmm. That's what but, I was going to say. But for me, nine to 15 cards for three mana is totally worth it, especially in this deck. Right. And again, like, okay, fine. You exile five cards a person. So Umbrus now gets plus, five, plus 15, plus 15 at the worst, right? Even yep. worse than that, three mana to give. If there's a card that said... Three mana, your commander gets plus nine plus nine until the end of the game. It would yeah. be in like every deck, right? And that's the mm -hmm. worst case. Like some people might, someone's playing like a low to the ground token deck or like a weenie deck or something like that. You might even be able to hit five, eight, ten if you get really lucky. But the absolute floor for this card, guys, is uh, literally you exile two Titan Eldrazi's from yep. their deck. Yep, exactly. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Or an expropriate and a Titan Eldrazi. Yes. Like, think of your way, way over the top cards. Like, are you okay exiling two of those? Yes. Yes, you are. A Crater Hoof and an Eldrazi? Yeah, I'll take that all day, right? Yeah. Don't care. A couple lands in there, too? What's not to like? 
Well, why don't you give us your final yeast card? Okay, so this was a recent addition that I was really excited about, and mm. it replaced a card that I think I'm interested to hear what your thoughts on. So I'm talking about Winged Boots. So oh, a, different. A colorless and a blue for an artifact equipment. Equipped creature has flying and ward four, which pretty much means frost titan four, if you will. Whenever equipped creature becomes a target of a spell or ability, an opponent controls counter it unless that player plays four. It's got to equip one, and it's got a little bit of text being read by our old pal, Chicago broadcasting legend. Rest Harry in peace. Carey. Harry Carey. <laughs> hey, you ever want to <laughs> get carried away? I got carried away once. Uh, then I ate 16 hot dogs. I'm a carry. <laughs> so this was a cut for uh, Whisper Silk Cloak. Oh, okay. And the reason why I was talking with my friend out here who plays very tuned decks. And his point was like flying in most of the time flying is going to mean unblockable for at least one player. Right. Okay. That's how he said it. And then Ward 4 is kind of like Shroud as well right so whisper silk cloak fly unblockable shroud okay this one because my commander is so prohibitively expensive the fact that you can play this on two and then equip for one as opposed to three or two whatever shadow or whatever uh whisper silk cloak is the odds of being able to get this onto your commander the turn he comes down or the turn after goes way up for slightly worse abilities and when you're having a deck where the CMC is already so high, I think that is worth the trade-off for adjacent enough abilities. Yeah, you're basically saving a total mana. Because it's mm. three to cast Whisper Silk versus two. Equip is two for Whisper Silk versus one. So I would agree that if you're at the point that you're trying to get your CMC lower and there's no other cards you could cut... Okay, I could see doing the trade, but if you start going through the deck tuck and you start seeing like, you know what, there's there's stuff in here we've really kind of stretched, mm. I would put Whisper Silk back in. Back in. Kind sure. of like the point I made around Crystal Shard. Yeah. If you're going to have one of these effects in here, then you should be able to justify having a second effect yeah. just for that redundancy. Not You don't need 10, but I would think two always makes it feel safe. Yeah. Um. So that would be my thought. I would almost say you leave Whisper Silk in instead of this, um, and then your cheap, easy one is the Aqueous Form. But mm, if you said, hey, yeah. I'll do Winged Boots instead of Aqueous Form and put Whisper Silk back in, I would still be okay with that. Oh, sure. Right, just because Aqueous is like one and done. One like time. Like I said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting point. I like it. Well, guys, that's going to wrap up how Umbris wins games in the Yeast Package. Let's head over to a Spicy Ball... And I'll kick this off with, um, you know, we had five options. It's spicy enough. And uh, sometimes I just have to come from the shadows and be a shade. Interesting. I like this card because okay. it's the author of shadows. Uh, four colorless black creature shade warlock. Because, you know, shade tribal is out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a 3-3. Three, three. When it ETBs, exile all cards from all opponents' graveyards. Choose a non-land card exiled this way. You may cast that card for as long as it remains exiled. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell. So this does a few things for me. 
I'm going to get to more of this ETB effect. So this now allows you to exile your opponent's graveyards whenever you feel like it. Something uh, Planar or uh, Leyline of the Void can't do. Sure. This has the... Uh, of course, I've, I've drawn a blank on our favorite Shadowborn. Oh, Gaunty. Gaunty. It has yes. the Gaunty effect where the card stays in exile. You could use any mana to cast it. And even if Author of Shadows goes away, you still have access to that card. I am all for that. And I think the five for a three, three, it's a spice, but it's a spice yeah. that amazingly fits your deck. This one's, I so I actually am cutting this because I really struggled on what to cut in this deck. And I, I want, to, I think it's because it might be being pulled in too many directions, right? So I think in the right build, especially if we talk about like focusing more on the ETB stuff, this card gets infinitely better, right? Being able to do this multiple times throughout the course of a game. Um, it's way, I think it's a way better option than Gonti is uh, because you get all the things out of it. I just feel like maybe for five mana, I just don't, I just don't know if it can get there, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I think here's the issue, Tuck, as I go through your list. Being objective, you don't have a lot of ways to exile graveyards. Like, just being right. fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, it's like, if you start cutting ways to exile graveyards, then I think you need to pivot what the deck's even trying to do. Sure. And I don't know if that's a direction that Umbris can be supportive. Because yeah. Umbris needs graveyards exiled, or it literally doesn't do shit. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, here, um, I'm, I'm here for it. I think it's, it's a fair criticism. But yeah, very, very cool card. Um, I wish it did. I wish it had something else. Maybe be a 4-4 four, four for the 5. That'd yeah. be a little bit better. Or a 3-5, I would take that. But I thought Author of Shadows is pretty neat. Uh, I'm curious, though. You had four others. What What the heck did you pick? It's Crumbling Sanctuary, the stupidest best card in the entire deck. This, is the stu this one is bonkers. All right. Five colorless for an artifact. It's a rare for about $3. I got the gold border version. Uh, for each one damage that would be dealt to a player, that player removes the top card of his or her library from the game instead. This is the card that got Umbris to be a 60-60 or 66-66 before I even got to cast them. Scott, or Scooty Shuffles, rather, he brought up the good point of, wait a minute. Like, so we're just going to attack you every time, right? Like, yeah, we're just exile gonna out your you. graveyard. <laughs> right. But get this, right? And and it doesn't, Umbris, unfortunately, is only your opponents, right? Yeah. So I played that, and I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. That's not good. So I was like, wait, it's like, should I cut this? But get this, right? After, like, two rounds of everyone just attacking me, my life total didn't change. So this Scott, or Scooty was playing uh, a commander damage, stopped attacking me. So he was like, I can't kill you with commander damage. I can't do, like, I can only exile cards from your library, right? And because everyone was focusing on me, everyone else's board state started getting up, getting up, getting up to the point where they're like, well, I have to attack him. Like, I can't, we can't just keep beating up on Tuck because he's not doing anything. He's just sitting here. And then one guy was playing mono green and was bashing people for like 20 points of damage a turn. <laughs> so it's a spite. This is like the definition. This of spice is a card. definition of spice. Yeah. Cause like this, if this was someone else's, if this was someone else's deck, this would hundred percent be the, so Tomer has this card ever come bit you in the ass. <laughs> right like it's the epitome <laughs> of that card but the like the i don't know if the the floor is really bad because i just don't have a library and then they when they did start hitting me when they did start hitting me they actually like, putting leveler in this deck now the first well i thought i was like okay does, does this mean that i also run thassa's oracle 
<laughs> but, but like, and then like they hit me, the first one hit me for five, and it was five lands in a row. <laughs> I was like, well, can't nothing do about that. So it's just too it's too cute not to have in here, in my opinion, right? Like I'm ha- I know this a mana rock would probably be more efficient than this. But this is the only deck that's ever going to run this card, and it's way too cute not to at least give it a shot. Um, I disagree. Uh, Look, I actually I think it's very cute. Uh, It's pretty funny. Uh, But I will tell you this: not throwing not throwing uh, dispersions at your playgroup. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. (laughs) You just keep attacking the person until they die. That's like (laughs) oh. Big Tuck is comboing out. Let's hit him a bunch. Oh, well, combo. He's still comboing out. We aren't affecting anything, so I guess I'll stop. Like, no, you keep hitting them, you crazy people. So uh, that's why I think the card is bad, is because if I saw this at the table, it's just like, guys, just keep hitting him until he yeah. dies. Or he Event- eventually, eventually he's going to run out cards and uh, cards in the library. Yeah. And you know what? If we all of a sudden get unlucky because his nightmare deck had a Thassa's Oracle or Ladman, well, that's on us. But yeah, most likely, say, it's not in there. There's little, there's really nothing you can do, right? Like, well, guys, that's gonna wrap up the spice package. All right, let's head over to our bottle capping. And as a reminder, these are gonna be big texanized cuts and adds to the deck that are gonna be under five dollars, under fifty bucks, and then a no budget recommendation. We just can't talk about our mana only lands like underground sea. So, big tuck. What's the first card you're gonna cut? Fairly new deck. I've been victim of it. Do I bring these to bruise and builds and it becomes difficult to cut because I just <laughs> built right. it. But what did you pick? Uh, we'll start with the one we talked about, Author of Shadows, right? I'm just not sure if it's going to have the juice that we're looking for. And the, for those who need a reminder, four colors and a black for a 3-3 Shade Warlock. As enters the battlefield, exile all cards from all opponents' graveyards. Choose a non-land card, exile this way. Make a card for as long as it remains exiled. And you spend mana of any... Uh, you may spend mana as though it was mana of any color to cast that spell. I just don't know if this card has the juice for what I'm looking for in the deck. I may be wrong with like some of the mill effects I have in here, um, but I I don't feel like this card is really going to help me push through to the end game, which I think I need. As you can see by the nine the nine yeast, I really could use some help for. So <clears throat> there's this card that we have probably talked about 10, 20 times on this podcast, and that one is key to the city. Just, oh, just yeah. utility up to up. It's so stupid. I don't know why it's not in here. So two colorless for an artifact. It's literally 10 cents, 20 cents rather. Uh, tap, discard a card up to one target creature. Can't be blocked this turn. Whenever it becomes untapped, you may pay two. If you do, draw a card. Unblocked is insane with Umbris as he gets bigger. I do feel like that is, regardless if we change this to more of an ETB effect or something like that, he's always going to be massive. So getting ways that he can punch through for damage repeatedly at a low cost is really important. And we've talked about how this is a political card, right? You need to, someone needs to punch in a little bit more, just one more or five more damage to, to kill someone with commander damage. So sure. Like I'll make him unblockable to underturn. Um, yeah. Draw a card. If you need, if you have nothing else to do, you can just discard a land or some high creature cost, draw another one. This this card is just so utilitarian and has so many different aspects in this deck that it needs. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you hit everything on the head, so I really don't have anything to add. Because the biggest thing is if you are going to have a part of your winning strategy as, like, my commander is going to knock people out, you have to have ways to make it unblockable yeah. or evasion. You can't just think, like, oh, I'll have two or three and that's enough. You need ten plus, but you also then have to make sure that it fits in with how the rest of the deck wants to operate in case your commander becomes irrelevant. And I think mm -hmm. Key to the City is a good balance of all of that. Yeah, completely agree. All right, I'm cutting. I'm so disappointed. Ruin crab. So that was that blue. was right on the, that was right on the list for me as well. So I'm I'm cutting I'm blue. Here for it. Creature crab <laughs> zero three. It has landfall. So whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent mills three cards. Yes, that is nine cards a land that it mills. But you know it's better than whenever a land enters the battlefield. Whenever a permanent enters the battlefield, we're going all through the brood. It's under $5. I'm so disappointed. Colorless artifact. Don't even need to look it up. It came out in cons of Takir, and it does the following. If a permanent would enter the battlefield under your control, each opponent puts a card from the top of their library into their graveyard. Literally... So much better because a lot of the stuff I'm going to be talking about, Tuck, is going to deal with enter the battlefield. Mm, gotcha. So you're okay. going to be flickering. You're going to have your nightmares and horrors and stuff re-enter over and over. So you're going to get more triggers off of Ultra of the Brood than you are Ruined Crab. I do think you need to have a effect like this in the deck because you need the basic mill for you just playing the game. And both of these cards do that in spades. I think Ruin Crab, though, gets outclassed by Alter the Brood specifically in this deck because you don't have a landfall mechanic or theme. Mm, yeah, if fair we enough. Simic, Simic yeah. totally different. I think I, I would put Ruin Crab over Alter the Brood. I mean, I'd probably do both. But if I had to pick one, <laughs> Let's be honest, I would do Ruin Crab in that. But I think in Demir, Demir is not known for getting a lots of lands. You don't do a Crucible of the Worlds type of rigmarole. So I think if we just swap those, you'll get more of you'll get more consistent. Right. Effects. I only own one copy of the Altar of Brood, and I'm not going out to buy another one, so maybe I'll get a playtest. Proxies! But... AbyssProxyShop.com! Yeah, there <laughs> But I... So, what I was really hoping... What I... I know you're probably going to have some... You always have good recommendations, but more importantly, I wanted your opinion of looking into this is what cards are... What cards need to be cut, right? Because mm. I think that will help me... That that helps me a lot. And Rune Crab, again, it's in the spice. It was, like, right on the block of being like, well, what if, like... If I hit seven lands, what's the odds I'm going to play another one at any point of the game? Yeah. And the other issue, I have a Ruin Crab. It's kind of a dead drop later in the game, too, if I'm, like, not drawing cards out. So, uh, uh, I don't know. It's so hard, right? Like, the upside of Alter of the Brood is very high. I just have to get a few more reps in with this guy to figure out if that's what we're going to do. But I do like how you're, I do like how you're playing it towards that ETB effect. Yeah, I, I just think we need to go a little bit more there. But I'm curious, Tuck, under 50, the budget opens up a little bit more. What are you yes. doing? I am going to cut uh, a card that I really like, but I don't think is a good enough card in this deck. So I'm actually going to cut Thief of Sanity. So a oh. colorless, a blue, and a black. It's a 2-2 flying Spectre. If it was a Spectre Nightmare or Spectre Horror, no questions it's going to stay in the deck whatsoever. But it doesn't do that much. So it's a 2-2 flyer. Whenever it deals damage to combat damage to a player, look at the top three cards of that player's library, exile one of them face down, and then put the rest into their graveyard. For as long as that card remains exiled, you may look at it, you may cast it, and then you may spend mana as, as those mana of any type to cast that spell. It's a really cute card. 
you're only getting one exile a go with it. And I would say this. I'm okay with you cutting it because you're cutting Author of Shadows. Yeah. Because they both do a similar effect that Gaunty cast it yeah. whenever. So it's like if you're if you're going away from that, yeah, Thieves of Sanity, put something else in. It's it's cute, but but not quite good enough. So I am hoping that this card is gonna spike in price because I just bought four of them. But we talked about exiling cards from opponents' graveyards, right? So I feel that mnemonic, mnemonic betrayal is a real interesting kind of finisher or late game play. So colorless and a blue, that's M-N-E-M-O-N-I-C-K, betrayal. For colorless, a blue and a black, we have a sorcery that's a mythic uh, for around three bucks. So exile all cards from all opponent's graveyards. You may cast those cards this turn, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any type to cast those spells. At the beginning of the next end step, if any of those cards are made exiled, return them to their owner's graveyards, then mm. exile Mnemonic Betrayal. So this is a card that I want to play in the yeast package for two reasons. One is that if it's late game and I've Umbers out with evasion on them, this is going to give them a huge boost if I haven't gotten to anyone yeah. and be able to knock someone out, right? The second thing is if I do get mana flooded, and like we said, this deck is hurting for mana rocks, right? But there could be the time where I'm going to the end game, Umbers cost 15 or whatever, and I just need something to try to get value out of other people's graveyards. I can play this and then maybe find like a really powerful removal spell, a big creature, something like that, right? So it's not the best, it's not the best card at all situations, but I feel like where it matters, it's really gonna be a big shift in the mid to late game. Oh my gosh. I just, sorry, you talking about Umbris. I was like, do we need to put Arc Bond in here? Choose target <laughs> creature, whatever that creature is dealt damage. Or I guess that's when it's dealt damage. We've got to figure out a way to have like, whenever Umbris deals damage, it deals that much to your oh. opponents. Yeah, no, that would be insane. <laughs> oh, that would be gross. But no, I I, I like Mnemonic Betrayal. I'll, I'll say this though. This is the kind of card that could be a dead card depending on when you cast it. Because mm -hmm. if you have out your like ley line of the void and you've already been exiling right. everything, you're just gonna get this and be like, oh, all right. But I guess at that point, like Umbris is probably doing his thing. So this is a weird card for me because it's like it's either a dead draw or it's a game wrecker. Yeah, exactly. And I think like for the cost of admission to get into it, it's worth running. But I could to your point, I could see this very much being like okay, Mnemonic Betrayal is not getting there. Author of Shadows, I'm bringing him back in, right? Yeah. Like, I just need that on the spot immediately that stays in exile. Yeah, no, that's fair. All right, Tuck, under 50. I wanted to do something special here. So I got some synergy. We are going to be cutting two cards and adding two cards. Ooh. Because it's a little combo action. Okay. So we are cutting Cabal Therapist. Fair. Single black, creature horror, 1-1. One, one. It's a rare. It has menace. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you may sacrifice a creature. When you do, choose a non-land card name. Then target player reveals their hand and discards all cards with that name. I hate those effects in Commander, and I'll just leave it at that. Sure. Foul Watcher will also be cut. So, Ooh. Foul Watcher is a colorless blue creature nightmare bird common one two flying when a dtb surveil one foul watcher gets plus one plus oh as long as there are four more card types among cards in your graveyard it's literally a nightmare that gets a thing once and i don't even know if you'd want to flicker it over something else later in the game these, so these i just are both think these are like very low floor very sorry very low ceiling cards yeah and the only reason why they're in there, to your point, is like 
when Umbris is out for three mana, I can get his uh, triggered ability twice, right? <laughs> like, that's yeah. it. That's the only reason why they're in there. They serve no other purpose. So I, I was kind of on the fence about Caval Therapist as well. So, well, the card I want to add is a horror. So we do check that box. And the card is $48.28. It's only been printed once in the dark. And the other card I'm pairing with costs like seven bucks. So technically, each card is under 50. Technically, uh, we're going to put in Eater of the Dead. Four colorless oh, sure. black, creature horror, untap Eater of the Dead, remove target creature card in a graveyard from the game. And we are going to pair that with Opposition. Two colorless blue blue oh, enchantment. God. Tap an untapped creature you control. Tap target artifact creature or land. So literally, guys, the mechanic is you untap Eater of the Dead, exile a creature card from a graveyard. You retap Eater of the Dead. Now you can tap one of your opponent's things, untap it. You got infinite, exile your creature, your opponent's creatures. And I think this is important, Tuck, because I've already acknowledged you don't have as many mass exile effects that are in the deck. So I think right. you need a way that could be able to do it on the fly. Even if either of the dead, you're just getting the tap once a turn, it's a horror and it's still doing a thing. So you're kind of getting, what would that be? Three cards for the one card. Right. But then if you get opposition, whoa. And I think this is a deck. You're probably as much as you talk about it. I don't think you're going to be in the red zone that much without Umbris. So it's like, Hey, I'm holding back. Okay. End of your turn. I'm going to tap all my nightmares do this stuff to you guys. Okay, now I'll untap and free turn. Yeah, and it's a horror, so like that that kind of stinks. Like, I mean, that's like good, right? That's what sucks about it. I feel like this card used to be like no money, like five dollars, and now it's I think it's on reserve list, and people just scooped it up. Uh, I it like is it. not on the reserve list. It isn't. Nope. There must have just been a buyout or something. I could have sworn this was went up. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. Used to be. 13 now it went up to 500 wow. and then now it's down to 50 so it's like it's free effectively I, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's effectively free it's interesting it's interesting i i really have to think about this i do like opposition as a card and it's good to have i'm just worried i'm worried with the eat of the dead like because i'm if we're cutting out mill stuff is there going to be creatures to exile in graveyards i think there is because i'm just to be honest, Tuck, if you're not milling and exiling graveyards, you don't need to be playing Umbrus unless mm. you're just going to go shapeshifter tribal, uh, getting every nightmare yeah. and horror on the planet. I'm constantly ETBing, and that's how many because Umbrus wants to get rid of libraries and put them in exile. Right. So you need as many ways to do that as possible. So I think that's just where you're going to really have to challenge yourself. In am I okay having this kind of interesting deck that really can't do its thing? amazingly or consistently because i'm trying to do a whole lot of different sure stuff. sure sure yeah it's a, it might it probably is being pulled in a few too many directions i'll get i'll give you that all right well give us your no budget cut and add i actually own this card so i'm really excited about that but i'm the card i'm going to cut is doom weaver so it's four colors double black for a spider horror that's a colorless and eight or sorry it's a one eight with reach it's got soul bound when it enters the battlefield, you may pair it with another creature. When either enters the battlefield, they remain paired for as long as you do. As long as Dreamweaver is paired with another creature, each of those creature has when this creature dies, draw cards equal to its power. I put it in here because it's a horror and it's a blocker. 
I don't really think it does a lot besides that, to be honest with you, for six mana. Like, this card doesn't win me the game. It may draw me a handful of cards here and there, but the amount of creatures I'm going to be playing are pretty low in in that power and toughness, and I'm not going to be bouncing them back and forth. So, cute card. I think I got I think I got swept away with the current of uh the the underwash current of horror stapled to it. Yeah, I, I'd agree. And I think the other thing Tuck to to realize the more you talk about this deck, you're not saying I'm running Umbrus out as quick as Lee as I can. So if right. Umbrus isn't on the battlefield as quickly as you can, then you actually don't need to have horror nightmare tribal unless you're just trying to force that on yourself. Yeah. Because none of those cards are gonna get any effects with Umbrus unless Umbrus is on the field. Yeah, so, exactly. No, I hear you. So I'm dusting off I'm dusting off the old checkbook because at some point in my life I accidentally got two of these sent to me in the mail by accident when I should have gotten one, and uh, I've yet to find a card for it yet. What's better? Attacking and milling 10 or attacking and exiling 20? Uh Ulamog. Ulamog. Ulamog the Ceases Hunger. 10 drop for a 10-10 legendary creature Eldrazi that's a mythic for 40, 50 bucks about. When you cast him, exile two permanents. He has indestructible. When he attacks, defending player exiles the top 20 cards of his or her library. This is a yeast card in and of itself. 10 mana is absurd. I understand that. My my cost of the deck, my CMC is going to go through the roof with it, but how can you not include him, right? It's too cute. I have a copy. I have no idea what other deck I'm going to put him in. We're going we're gonna to make some room for some more rocks, maybe some better card draw, and then we're going to cast him, and I'm going to have the time of my life. So here's how I'd look at this card. I agree. Slam dunk in the deck. Oh, my God. The Battle for Zendikar promo is $181. <laughs> Woof. All right. So here's the thing with Ulamog. This is the best backup commander you could ask for yeah. in this deck because it is 10 mana. It's absurdly expensive, but we have to think about it. By the time Tuck wants to cast Ulamog, you've probably cast Umbrus four times mm -hmm. for five, seven, nine, maybe 11. Maybe. Once you get beyond yeah. 11, it's like, I don't know if I could do that, but... By that point in the game, your opponent's library should be pretty small to where right. one swing with Ulamog probably exiles their entire library. Exactly. Especially when they've been attacking each other with crumbling sanctuaries on the board, all these other things, all these other fringe cases that I talked about. If I can get the mana to cast him, I feel, but like, it is kind of a cop-out because I think you can make an argument in a lot of decks where it's like, if you have the mana to cast Ulamog, you're probably going to be on the win, but it's flavorful and I'm a spare copy. There we go. All right, my no budget, I am cutting. Very cute. It's very cute, but uh, no, it's absurdly expensive. And if you're going to have a seven drop in here, just go with Cyclonic Rift. Come on, man. Uh, we are going to cut the whole Breaker Horror. No! Uh, I know everyone wants this card. No, it's stupid. It's um, Cyclonic, Cyclonic Rift's already in the deck. Yeah, well... Good. It's better than this. <laughs> good, Five good. colorless blue blue creature crack and horror. It's a rare. It's a seven eight. Uh seven mana. Flash. Spell can't be countered. Whenever you cast a spell, choose up to one. Return target spell you don't control to its owner's hand. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. You're not gonna be casting that many spells. Get over it. It's way too cute. No. Play You're not this. casting enough spells. We're gonna do. We're gonna play our cabal cop or our cabal no, therapist no. after this rune no. crab. It's just gonna no. turn it. We're gonna turn this into no, our not. mainstay. <laughs> it's absolutely not. 
but the card I want to add, though, you can get for $9. Nine times. And it came out in Modern Horizons Dose. Not my baby, but pretty close. Close. Like it's like second cousin. Dethoy Voidwalker. Oh, yeah. Black, this, black. Yeah. Creature Dethoy Rogue, 3-2. It has shadow, so it can only be blocked. And uh, and uh, it can block and or be blocked by only creatures with shadow. If a card would be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, instead exile it with a void counter on it. You can tap and sacrifice Dathoi Voidwalker. Choose an exile card an opponent owns with a void counter on it. You may play it this turn without paying its mana cost. So I feel like usually this card's used in decks where you can abuse the effect. Like you're sure. constantly bringing it back and forth. Yeah. I don't think you need it for that. I think, honestly, this is a great Leyline of the Void backup with the potential of... Can I? Do I want to cast? Like, right. do I want to stack my replacement effects in a way that this card actually gets a void counter? Because I might actually want that later. That's exactly seems pretty cool. So, no, this card's a, this card's an absolute slam dunk. Uh, I only have one copy, and it's currently in my rogues deck, or else it would mm. be in here immediately. However, I'm sure our pals uh, over at abyssproxyshop.com, uh, I'm sure they could whip me up a playtest. This card, I mean. <clears throat> This card's insane. Like it's worth every cent of the nine dollars it costs. Uh, it's hard to it's hard pressed for me to think about a lot of black decks that I wouldn't want this in. It's so pushed, and it's a three two that's unblockable as well, right? So, if only it was one power, this would so go in Shirai. Oh god, oh that'd, be, god. that'd be so good. But Tuck, we're not done. We got bonus round what? because there's glaring shit you don't have in here, buddy. So we're gonna take. Three minutes, and we're going to run through this. I got other cuts for you. Cut Reflections, obviously. Sure. And we're also going to cut Phyrexian Revoker. Uh, two colorless artifact yeah, probably a little too cute. Two one. When it ETBs, choose a non-land card name. Activated abilities of sources of the chosen name can't be activated. That is, it's uh, once again, we're in a singleton format. Get it out of here. Sure. <laughs> you're putting in Conjuring Closet and Panharmonicon, right? Like, you're putting them I have them a <laughs> So if you guys aren't familiar, Conjurer's Closet allows you to blink a creature at the end of your turn and bring it back, like one of your own. ETB effects. Uh, Panharmonicon, I believe that doubles ETB effects, which your sure deck does. does. So I, I just don't see any reason why you don't have these in there. It, yeah, like I, I knew that this was coming at some point of doing this bounce stuff. Um, I think if we're doing that, we should put in Bone Shards or whatever it's called. or uh, Crystal Shards. Bounce of crystal Shard, thanks you very much. I have them lying around, and I'm happy to put them in. I'm happy to put Reflections of Litjara back into the, back into the trade blinder where it likely belongs. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, thanks for making it until the end of the episode. And if you enjoyed it, be sure to follow us on Twitter, YouTube, whatever podcast platform you actually caught us on, and leave a five-star review with a sweet little comment. Now, if you want to get a hold of the cast to kind of let us know your thoughts and ideas on this episode, here's how you could do that. You can reach me at Mr. Commodore 5 on Twitter, all spelled out except for the five. Big Tuck, whose birthday was it and who you going to be talking to this week? Oh, we got we got uh, we got some good ones. We got some heaters tonight or this time we have. Uh, how do I get to my profile? Uh, I am at at Big Tuck tweeting on the Twitterverse in uh, this week. There's a lot of good birthdays. Uh, Tom Hiddleston was one of them. Uh, oh, we wow. got Charlie Day, of course. Uh, but more importantly, we have a longtime friend from afar, Deborah Ann Wool. So she's married to a guy who is legally blind, which I feel is a criminal injustice in this world. But here we are. <laughs>
You can reach our main account at CMD Tower on Twitter as well. Uh, we will have the deck list and article posted with the accompanying videos at cmdtower.com slash bnbe125. Basically type in Cold Steel Heart, Mind Flayer, Damnation, Tower.com. Now, if you could and had the heart, you would head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. Multiple different tiers like we've talked about, bruise and build shoutouts, a collective being on. We're going to have our first collective diagnosis episode coming out here in a month or two. Woo! Hopefully we'll start getting all that stuff from uh, the members here in a couple weeks. You can also, you know, the weird voices, you can contribute to that. Plus, we actually <laughs> offer swag with our different tiers as well. So, great value. Go support us because all of that does go to making this channel better. Now, if you're an existing patron... And you have someone that's a frenemy, maybe a member you think would be good add to the collective, have them join, have them let us know. When they let us know that you referred them, we're going to help out that original collective member with a little thank you, because we can't do this without your guys' support. So the more people you refer, the more times we're going to reward you. Now, if you couldn't get a hold of one of our patron memberships, uh, just, you know, personal reasons, whatever, but you do want to get some of that cool swag, head over to cmdtower.com slash merch. We do have everything for sale on there from our OG playmats to our foil playmats to our Jun sweaters to our coins, the whole kit and caboodle, cmdtower.com slash merch. Go check it out. Finally, we also have a new partnership with abyssproxyshop.com. It's actually the uh, store that I have gotten a lot of my playtest cards from and use them with my friends and stuff. It's always, you know, pretty, pretty good quality. They do a lot of custom yeah. work. But the biggest thing, CMD Tower is a promo code you guys can use for an extra 10% off on top of any other deals they already have. So every time you guys need to go do a purchase, don't go to Etsy. Don't go to Amazon. Don't go to eBay for your playtest or proxies. Go to abyssproxyshop.com and support CMD Tower. Also, we could not have had this video happen without our video engineer at underscore Teacoats. Tyler does all the uh, video engineering for CMD Tower. So the grains, hopped yeast, spice, bottle capping videos you guys see on YouTube, the gameplay videos that we're going to be having coming from Twitch, any of that stuff, these are all creations of Teacoats. So be sure to let him know what you want to see. But also, if you have a project, hit him up. He would love to work with you as well. So, Tuck, Umbris imbuing nightmares in your dreams. Did I help you get to your yeast? You didn't seem as excited about the infinite combo. So, how are we I'm feeling? Not, I'm not as excited about the infinite combo. I'm really excited about the Conjuring Closet Panharmonicon uh, and Alter the Brood. Like, that's a package that I'm more interested in. And mostly what I wanted to hear from you, what you gave me, was how do I care about casting low-cost horrors? Like, is this is this mm. a horror tribal deck or is it a utility horror knowing that my commander is going to be doing the majority of the work i think in that regards cutting some of these lower things for conjuring closet which i have panarmacon which i have a couple more mana rocks maybe a couple more um ways to protect him or like make him attack i think that's gonna make the game run a lot smoother than trying to shovel in all these things where it's like turn one do i really want to cast cabal therapist not yeah. really. I only want to pay him. I only want to play him for his ETV effect. But why do that when you can have Conjuring Closet and you don't even have to think about it? Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's, it's just one of those things you have to decide. Are you going all into the bit 
or are you going to what your commander wants to do? Right. And Umbris, I think at the end of the day, does not care about how many horrors or nightmares you have in the deck. It cares about what's in exile. Mm-hmm. It's just the nightmares and horrors help get it to exile. And I just think magic has evolved to a point where you don't need that. Like, you could almost ignore that second paragraph if you wanted to. Yeah. And just do a deck that is mill exile. But for the flavor, I think there is a way to balance the horrors and nightmares. You just have to have them be better than trying to get back to hand to cast. Because yeah. Demir isn't, unless you're going to put Omniscience in here, I don't really think you're casting multiple spells a turn all no. that frequently. No, sir. All right. Well, guys, that's the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it and be sure to follow us. See ya. And I'll try not to drown or get eaten by spider monkeys. No promises. No promises. <laughs>